Do you know why this show is like a tennis match? No, why? Because it starts with love. Itch manners. Hello, Internet. It's your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasion. Do you get it? I couldn't tell if you're disappointed by that. I did get it. Because, like, you start, everybody starts with love, right? Because you start with zero, zero. It's called love. Yeah. So it starts with love. I, I guess Schmanners starts with love. What? It started from a place of, I mean, not every episode might start with love, but it started with love because we fell in love. Oh, okay. So you're taking it all the way back. Yeah, start with love. Starts okay. with love. All right, fine. Sure. Oh, it's a long walk. <laughs> oh, glad I got you on board. Glad I got you on board. So we're, we're talking about tennis. We are. We're willing spring into existence here in Ohio, um, and it is fighting the whole time. And that is how it works here. I know. We're like, no, I'm I'm agreeing with you okay. because like like what three days ago it was like seventy degrees outside. I this know. morning it was Ugh. like sleet. Yeah, it was actually actually snowing last night it was uh upsetting i would yeah. say um but so we, we we're talking about tennis we are. the sport of kings indeed yeah yeah I, I couldn't remember if that was one of them i think there's probably multiple is cricket a score, sport of kings i don't know about cricket yet i don't know nothing about cricket that's true. I it's don't. It's not I that, quite baseball and not quite golf. I know Sticky Wicket. I think I think Sticky Wicket comes. I don't, see, I don't know. I thought Sticky Wicket came from croquet, which is a game of kings. Oh my god, we're gonna have. Hey, cancel this episode. We're only talking about <laughs> Sticky Wickets. Sticky Wicket also sounds like a baked good you would order, right? It does. Can I get two Sticky Wickets? <laughs> One without nuts. I mean, it definitely sounds like some sort of like cinnamon bun. Yeah, that's what something. I'm saying, right? Yeah. How old do you think the game of tennis is? Okay, see, this I know is older than I would think because I know that like it, people used to play it like in their castle, like Henry VIII, mm-hmm. like played it inside his castle. Like right. I know this. So I'm going to say it is, and I know I'm going to be wrong one way or the other, but I'm going to say 700 years old. Longer than that. Actually. Ah! Uh, there are records of the ancient Greeks and ancient Egyptians playing a similar back and forth game, not exactly tennis. Um, Egyptians would use longer paddle-like objects like a tennis racket, um, where Greeks would kind of be more like a handball mm. tennis type deal. I knew, like, it was one of those things where I was like, I don't want to say Egyptian, uh, Egyptian, I have it be wrong. But whenever you ask how long something takes <laughs> back to you, I always want to be like, Egypt. Is it Egypt? Egypt. I mean, it's probably Egypt. It's probably Egypt. It's either Egypt or China or something like that. But I never like but, I this mean, week we're talking about cell phones. Egyptian. <laughs> ah! But I mean, you are correct. And it, it really did reach its kind of like fever pitch in the Middle Ages. Yeah. Okay. Um, the first proper origin of the game is credited to the 12th century French monks who played a sort of handball version. The Monk and Rose. Because mm. it's like Mac and Rose? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and they referred to this as jus de pomme. Jus de pomme. What else is jus de pomme? That's apple juice. Yes. 
But if you look at my copy here, you will see that it is spelled completely differently. Because that is the way of French. That is the way, yes. They that is the way of exactly the French the language. Where it's like, je, 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 le, 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 le. It's, and I say that with love. I studied it for yeah. a while trying to get a hang of it. And it's just one of those things of like, unless you know, you don't know. But context is key. Yeah. Really, okay. with French. Um, and so that translates to game of the palm. Right. Game of palm. And that term, the term tennis, is derived from a mid 14th century Old French via the Anglo Norman term tennis, Mm -hmm. which can be translated as hold or receive or take it or here it comes. So it's thought that you might yell tennis in the game to indicate. Oh, yeah. We should bring that back. Wouldn't that be great? Imagine you're watching <laughs> like a tennis your match surf. and the, the two competitors are just yelling, tennis, tennis, <laughs> tennis, tennis, no, it's tennis, just for tennis, the, just, just for the serve. Oh, okay. Not all the time. Okay. That even would be then, chaos. Even then, watching like, and the best reference I have is like Venus and Serena Williams. I don't know any, like anybody playing now. Who's the new young, like a, a name about town in tennis, but just someone going, She's getting ready now. She said she's ready to serve. Tennis! <laughs> That's so good to me. Um, and the handball version that we're talking about at the moment uh, was originally called court tennis or royal tennis or, quote, real tennis uh, because it was the predecessor to both tennis as we know it and badminton. Now, this is the game literally was played indoors mm-hmm. um, and, like, around furniture. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like there was a special space for it. I, one, I remember it from um, Supersizers Go. Mm-hmm. And also, it's in the grate. They are constantly, like, bouncing a, a ball against the wall, basically, and two people on either side, just, like, in a hallway or, like, in a room, wherever. Well, so you talk about court tennis, right? And it's not exactly meaning court as in the royal court. Oftentimes... The way that castles were set up, they had a courtyard, mm-hmm. right? So tennis could be played in the courtyard, which is basically like just the middle of the castle. If you've ever seen the um, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are Dead movie with, I'm trying to remember his name. Um, I can't remember. But like the movie version of it, they're playing court tennis. Well, and I think of the movie Ever After, Mm -hmm. where Prince Henry is playing tennis uh, and uh, Marguerite, I believe, finds the ball and somehow ends up in front of the net that they've put up. So they have spectators, which there definitely were. Like if any time you know, the royals or even the courtiers were playing. People were watching because it was definitely, a, you know, a show There wasn't skill. TV. There oh. wasn't TV. <laughs> That's true. There wasn't uh, a lot else going on. But you would protect the people watching by hanging up very thin curtains or linens or, like, nets so that they didn't get hit with the ball. Sure. Uh, and in this movie, Marguerite appears with a ball in front of the net somehow. It's You're right, weird. babe. It doesn't make sense. Cancel ever after. No, I okay. love that movie. Okay. Um, and so the 
originally this court tennis wasn't played with um, with rackets proper. It's kind of more like um, like a catcher's mitt, yeah. baseball glove type okay. thing. And it was wildly popular by the 13th century. It had spread across Europe. But the racket wasn't invented until the 16th century. So, ouch, right? This handball people were playing. I can't believe I did not remember these three names that starred in the Rosencrantz and Gilmore movie. Are you ready? I'm ready. Gary Oldman, mm. Tim Roth, mm. Richard Dreyfuss. Yep. I couldn't remember any one of those. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, there are lots of movies out there. I don't blame you. I mean, sure, but okay. Several kings loved the game, like you mentioned, and they played it frequently from the 16th to the 18th century. And this is where croquet, as a, as a lawn game, right? So you could play tennis indoors, like you said, this kind of handball thing around furniture, which seems incredible but to th- me. That's why you can call that real tennis. That's extreme tennis. Extreme. Right? Okay. Listen. If there is an ultimate tennis, that's what that is. This is what I'm saying. It's, <laughs> we, we've seen it. They did Forest Lava, the TV show. Let's do ultimate tennis. Do it like this. You're playing around furniture, climbing over things. I would watch the heck out of that. I would too. Okay. Um, And so croquet was kind of the lawn game, right? And tennis quickly surpassed croquet as this kind of outdoor event similar to croquet. Well, I mean, to be fair, if you're talking about spectator sport, right? Mm -hmm. What's more? I mean, I don't want to knock croquet. If you're out there and you love croquet. <laughs> get it, knock. Yeah. He knock the that's ball. your thing. But as far as like, where's the drama and the heat? Like, tennis, man. Like, on a, to a smaller degree, ping pong. Um, <laughs> get it? That got you. That did get me. Um, uh, speaking of uh, Henry the uh, the Fifth. Um, we were? were we, we, wait, were we speaking of Henry the Fifth? Well, the 16th to 18th century. Sorry. Okay. Uh, I was thinking about Henry V. <laughs> that should be thinking of Henry V. He was um, one of the people who is credited with being the torchbearer of tennis in England. Okay. okay. So before this, it spread across Europe. It was great. The French really loved it. Sure. English people really got into it after Henry V got into it. And his successor, Henry VIII, uh, was was totally into it. I mean, he was a... In his prime, he was a very sportsman type oh, guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then uh, became a little too indulgent, mm-hmm. one might say. Uh, he loved, um, he loved, what's the one with the horses that run at each other? Polo? No. Jousting. Jousting. He loved jousting. As I say, if you're playing polo running the horses <laughs> at each other, it's bad. <laughs> you're, you're doing, doing a, a bad, bad job. job. Um, and he also apparently loved tennis. Um, and, you know, I don't know how he had time, you know, trying to split trying to make the Church of England and getting married a hundred times. Um, he was like proselytizing how great tennis was. You guys heard about tennis? Can you imagine being living in a world where like talking about tennis was like the hot thing, like where the, you could be a hipster about like, have you guys heard about this tennis thing? I think you'd really get it. You, have you, totally. got, you guys have got to check out Listen, you're all having fun here with the plague or whatever, but you have to check out tennis. In 1519, a Venetian ambassador said of Henry's tennis game that it was, quote, the prettiest thing in the world to see him play, his fair skin glowing through the shirt of the finest texture. Ooh. Oh. Okay. Sounds like somebody was sweet on Ooh, Um, And, you know, I think it's, it's, it's okay to, like, 
Henry VIII for his sports prowess. But yeah, do remember that he beheaded a ton of people. Yeah, babe. Hey, way to draw that line, babe. <laughs> I'm going to say Henry VIII, not a great person. Yeah, I'm, I'm going out on a limb and I'm saying he had some flaws. The first tennis court at Hampton Court Palace was built for Cardinal Woolsey between 1526 and 1529, and there are countless stories of tennis games being played by various members of the royal family. Um, In fact, it's rumored that King James had over 14 tennis courts. You know, I bet just like applying a little bit of psychology to it, I'm not really that surprised because just thinking about, once again, comparing it to croquet, right, there's just listening to that person's description, right, of Henry playing, Mm -hmm. there's, like, an exertion to it. There's, like, passion to it. And, like, I can see why they'd be like, oh, I'm a little flustered, right? Because, like, it's there's a lot of, let's just say it, grunting. And in in tennis, grunting, everybody's yelling tennis all the time. There's a (laughs) lot going on. It's a very passionate game. And, like, I can see why it would be like, oh, I'm a little... Speaking of, this is Bananas. But there are several records of royals dying <gasps> because of tennis. That's uh, not surprising. <laughs> I can't wait to hear so much more about that. But let's take a quick break ourselves so we don't get overexerted. And write a thank you note to our sponsors. Let's go. Teresa. Let's pretend. I'm going to pretend like you don't know this. I'm going to tell you about Bombas. All right. I know a little bit about it, and I think of the best-fitting, most comfiest socks ever. Okay. Well, you seem to know a little bit more than you were letting on. I can't lie. I wear Bombas socks. Then why did you tell me you don't know anything about Bombas? I didn't say that. You said pretend I why, don't know Why would you lie to me about our sponsor? Tell us about our sponsor. Okay. Bombas' mission is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need, Teresa. Yes. Did you know that? I did know that. Oh, man. Okay. Well, what about this? Did you know that everything they make is soft, seamless, tireless, and has a luxury, cozy feel? Yes. Okay. Well, did you know that science has shown that wearing Bombas socks will make you live 20 years longer? No. Because I made that up. <laughs> Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and the perfect weight so they hang just right. Bombas underwear has a barely there feel with second skin support that might make you forget they're even there in a good way. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at a homeless shelter? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So go to bombas.com slash schmanners and get 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas, B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash schmanners for 20% off. Bombas.com slash schmanners. Most game shows quiz contestants about topics they don't even care about. But for 100 episodes, the Go Fact Yourself podcast has asked celebrity guests trivia about topics they choose for themselves. And introduced them to some of their personal heroes along the way. Oh my gosh. Shut up. (laughs) I feel like I'm going to cry. Oh my stars. It's so so exciting to meet you. Join me, J. Keith Van Stratton. And me, Helen Hong, along with special guests DJ Jazzy Jeff and Faith Saley, plus some amazing surprise experts on the 100th episode of Go Fact Yourself. And join us twice a month, every month, for new episodes of Go Fact Yourself here on Maximum Fun.
It's the dramatic conclusion of Minority Corner with your host, James Arthur M. Yes, that's right. After seven years, this will be the end. Will James and his guest co-host solve racism, homophobia, and sexism? Will James end his longtime feud with Jennifer Hudson? Will someone get married, turn out to be an evil twin? Will James and his guest co-host talk about news, pop culture, history, and all things nerdy? Probably. Yeah, that's probably the one that will definitely happen. Find out on the dramatic conclusion of Minority Corner right here on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. Minority Corner, because together, we're the majority. Okay, so who died? Uh, What now? Hey, what? Tennis has a body count. Go on. Let's start with... Uh, Louis. Start with more start, than one. No, Louis the Tenth of France. Uh huh. Um, June 1316. He played a very heated game and Sounds reportedly like. became extremely dehydrated. He quickly panted off to the side and chugged a giant urn of chilled wine. Uh huh. Cool. Do you think that helped? <laughs> no. Well, the answer is no. He oh, died okay. shortly after. <laughs> okay. Um. And here's the thing. This particular casualty of tennis uh, was 26 years old, um, had no male heirs. So uh, when his brothers didn't either, um, the Capetian dynasty ended and created conditions that would eventually lead to the Hundred Years' War. Whoa, what? Hold on. So to sum it up, tennis killed the king and caused a war. Yes. Okay, great. Cool, cool, cool. Um, To be fair... Perhaps not having clean water to drink. That probably might have had a lot to do with it, it more as than well. Te- tennis is like, hey, hey, man, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't make him do it. Uh, 1437, um, King James I of Scotland, who had a rather large physique, um, played the game to reportedly keep his weight in check. Um, and he would fly through a rage. When I thought you were going to say like a window, <laughs> no, or fly into a rage. Oh, okay, is the correct expression. Still, I would have thought you were going to say window. When the balls that he played with would often run into the sewer, but you know he's the king, so he said like, "What is that sewer drain doing there? Cover it up, get rid of it. I keep losing my tennis balls." Right. Uh huh. Three days after he had the sewer sealed up in this particular tennis court, a group of assassins made their way into his his bedroom, and he heard them approach. He lifted a particular floorboard just for this occasion and plunged into the sewer to make an escape, except... <gasps> they were sealed. The one that was, uh, that was he, in his escape route was the tennis court. So uh, it was oh. sealed, and they caught up to him. Ah! What? Hoisted? On your own petard. I mean, the irony. Whoa, the irony. Yeah. Isn't it ironic? Indeed. Half a century later, King Charles VIII would also die because of the game. Was it in Roman numerals? It was. Okay. But I did it. I You nailed it. Eighth, I nailed it. Yeah. I always do that. Listen, I'm tough. I know. I know them. But yeah. something about getting in front of a microphone makes me feel like I don't know them, but this I do. This isn't every time I try to spell the word restaurant. There's only so many places that you can go, and yet I get it wrong every time. I don't know what's happening. Um, so uh, he 
had a highly anticipated game of of tennis that was playing in his castle, but not he wasn't playing it, right? Okay, yeah. Um, and it was at the other end of the castle. Okay. Um, he took his queen by the hand and rushed through the house, the castle. <laughs> yeah. And um, there was a particular like section that had been very poorly maintained. Uh-huh. So they were going to play at the castle ditch, which was like the nastiest place in the castle. Um, it had a broken. That was poor planning, wasn't I know, it? Right. Don't play there. Play somewhere. Play the, the castle candy farm or something. What are you doing? Uh, it had a, a kind of a broken down, rocky entrance, and everybody <clears throat> committed a nuisance at the entrance. That's where they peed. They peed on these walls. Don't do it there. Don't play tennis there. And he knocked his head on the entrance as Mm. he ran in. Hours later, he collapsed and died. That's why I've always said, never tennis where you pee. Right? You have never, never said that. Well, but if I was going to, that's what I would say. That is what you would say. Yeah. If someone was like, let me put it this way. If someone was like, should I tennis where I pee? I'd be like, no. No. History shows us. Hey, if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it, young one. Do not tennis where you pee. In, now I've said it like four times. All right. In 1715. It's going on merch now. Don't tennis where you pee. Schmanners. If there's one thing we want you to learn from this show. Hey, everybody. We've done over, what, like 200, 300 episodes. If there's one thing that I want you to learn, it's not about like where handkerchiefs come from or what's the deal. with the, It's don't tennis where you pee. Lives oh, depend all right. on it. Okay. Uh, in 1715, yeah. King George II's son, Frederick, who was the Prince of Wales, uh, died of a lung abscess because doctors were pretty sure that it was from a tennis ball that struck him in a chest. Whoa. Tennis is dangerous. Here's the last one we've got. Um, Anne Boleyn. I've heard of her, yeah. Well, she died when Henry VIII lost the tennis game. He got real mad. No. I mean... She was definitely beheaded at the Tower of London, but she was... Because she slipped on a tennis ball no, and landed on an axe. No, oh. she was caught at a tennis game. Not That wasn't what made her go to the Tower. It was, she had to be arrested first. They had to catch her first, oh. right? Uh, she was watching a tennis match in 1536 when, when she received her orders to present herself to the Privy Council. Um, And it was said that she complained when she was told to leave the match, saying it was unfair that she didn't get to collect her winnings. That's Because you would bet on the tennis match as well. I thought it was going to be like, it's unfair that I don't get to finish the game. Right? Like, let me watch the end of it. Then Then I'm out. You got it. And then, as irony would have it, the king did not attend her beheading because he was playing tennis. Oh, Mm, that's a dig right there. Yeah. All right, moving on. Because you know he's the king. He could be like, let's reschedule this game. Exactly. Right? It wasn't like, oh, no, I'd love to be there, but I, I have this match. Oh, I think he didn't want to be there. Yeah, probably. All right, 1874 is when the first tennis courts made their way to the United States. Mm. And three years later, in 1877, the All England Club in London hosted one of its very first tennis tournaments. Can you imagine what this tennis tournament is called? Wimbledon. Yeah. Yeah. It was originally a croquet club. Um, but And tennis literally, like, overtook it. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. 
Uh, the inaugural championship was held on July 9th, 1877, and the only event was gentlemen's singles. Do you think there must have been, right, at least one person sitting in the crowd for that thing, like, while everyone else is, like, cheering, and one person's like, it's not as good as croquet. <laughs> I miss croquet. Maybe. Do you guys remember when we used to only do croquet here? I was better. Mm. Um, there were um, 22 people who paid a guinea each to enter the tournament. Um, and it was scheduled over five days, but it rained a lot, duh, as it does in England. So it ended up taking about 10 days. Oh. Um, and Spencer Gore took home the title. He won a silver cup and 12 guineas of prize money. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Pretty good. Uh, and I don't know. Is, it sound, is that a lot? That's, that seems fine. Okay. I went the cup, but from what I've seen of Night's Tale, I'll probably win the cup and then sell it off. Do people still do that? <laughs> I, they probably don't do that now. Like, what an Oscar. Like, oh, thank God. Yes. I'll trade you this Oscar for two ducks, please. <laughs> it's probably not happening. In, uh, Although, you know, if it was me, I'd rather have two live ducks hanging out than an Oscar now. Yeah. I'd like to win the Oscar, be able to say I won it. No, I take it back. I, I've heard that a lot of people keep their Oscars in the in the toilet, in the water closet. What? Yeah. Well, just, maybe Tom Hanks says he's got so many. Maybe. Yeah. I think I read that Rosamund Pike buries hers in her garden. What? Yeah. Okay. I'll take it's, it. You get Rosamund, to do what you want. I know you're listening. Can you send me, <laughs> send me your Oscar? I'll hold on to it for you. She'd have to dig it up first. I'll come get it. Um, so 1882, the tournament was so popular that the All England Club dropped the word croquet from their branding. Uh-huh. And, uh, I mean, it was restored for sentimental reasons in 1899. But, like, no one thinks about croquet when they think about Wimbledon anymore, right? Well, there's one person. You think just that be, one guy? used to be about croquet. By 1884, they added ladies singles and gentlemen doubles. And 1913, they added ladies doubles and mixed doubles. Okay. Also, the first black player to compete in Wimbledon was Bertrand Milbourne Clark, an amateur player from Jamaica in 1924. Maybe we should do an episode yeah. on them someday. Sure. Okay, so the popularity of Wimbledon gave rise to four other tournaments that we know Thimbledon, about today. Pimbledon, Jimbledon, and Dimbledon. The U.S. Open, oh. the French Open, uh, and the Australian Open. These are known as the four majors or the Grand Slam tournaments. Do you think when those other three were established, Wimbledon was like, we should have been the Wimbledon Open? Oh, man. Yeah, maybe. Okay. I don't know. Um, One of the most famous tennis matches of all time took place in 1973. This was the year that the U.S. Open made history by offering equal prize money to men and women. And this is uh, the Billie Jean King versus Bobby Riggs. Uh Uh, there's There's a great movie about that. Uh, this was referred to in the media as the battle of the sexes. Mm. She won. She stomped him. Yeah. Uh, defeating him on the court September 20th, 1973. You mentioned Venus and Serena Williams. Yes. Um, and there's a, another movie that actually just came out. Was it last season? Richard? I don't know what time is anymore. Oh, I don't okay. know when anything was. Um, but there's, you know, there's some, there's a great documentary, uh, 2012 documentary, Venus and Serena, uh, which goes into a lot of detail about their, um, about their tennis, l- their love of tennis and their love of each other. It's a great, great movie. Beautiful. 
You know, uh, I've always said that me and Justin and Griffin are like the Venus and Serena Williams of podcasting. Oh, you have? Well, we're siblings and we're, well, I guess we're not, I don't think we're as good at podcasting as they are at tennis. I take it back. We're not the Venus and the Serena Williams of podcasting. No, you're not. Um, so the game itself continues to uh, evolve, you know, giving us new brilliant athletes every decade. Wait, people are still playing it now? They absolutely are. Whoa. Um, so the winner of 18 Grand Slam singles titles is me, uh, Martina Navatilova. Yes. Great job. Thank you. You do know tennis people. Yeah. You said at the <laughs> beginning that you couldn't name anybody but Venus and Serena. No, from now. But like, yeah. And then there's like Pete Sampras and John Mackerel. Like, I know tennis people. I don't know who's playing tennis right now. Like, all of my references, mostly sports references, stop like a decade ago. <laughs> and I don't know why. Well, she said simply, tennis has given me a soul. That's beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful. Okay, so... Let's talk about the actual game. Tennis basics. Tennis courts are divided by lines and squares and rectangles and such, right? Very geometric. So one side of the net is your side. One is the opponent's, whether you're playing singles or doubles. Singles have a slightly smaller court. So there's a line inside the outside line. That's the smaller court. Now, this is, let me just say, we rarely, like, cover something like this. So let me just say, if you're trying to follow this, you need to look at a picture. <laughs> yes. Because otherwise things like the inside, the outside line is going to melt your brain. So like look at a picture of it as we're describing it. The parallel line, okay, furthest from the net is the baseline. And then there's a thinner line between the baseline and the net. That's the service line. Okay. Sure. You'll aim your serves into the area between the net and the service line. There's a small line in the middle of the baseline, and that's the center mark. And you'll stand either the left or the right to make your serve. Right. The service area is divided into vertical halves, which are perpendicular to the net. And it divides it into left and right sections. Two lines on each side uh, set the boundaries of the court. And like I said, the inner line is for singles and the outer is for doubles. So that started kind of at the middle of the net and then built outwards. Uh, in high school, I took a class called Individual Dual Sports. And it included... Tennis and golf and archery and bowling um, and and stuff like that. And I always refer to it as theater kid sports. Oh, you nice. Know? Sports for theater. Because the other options are like, do you guys want to take the class that teaches you like football and basketball? I was like, no, no, no. no, no. Absolutely Individual not. dual sports, please. Um, I did summer gym. We had an offering for summer gym. And in the morning when it was cool enough, we would just run and run and run and run and run. Oh, gross. And then, What's that teaching you except that this sucks? <laughs> and then um, in as it got closer because we got out just before. Did we have lunch? No, I don't think we had lunch. I think it was like from like 8 a.m. to 12. So like as it got closer to noon, we would do our different sports. And I remember having a badminton course sure uh not tennis but it's, it's similar um and we had bowling and we had swimming course and did we have archery no i don't think so i think it was just those three no and uh country line dancing yeah yeah there we go it's, okay <laughs> i don't know if that's just a midwestern yeah, thing it but is. that's what we did okay okay so here's the scoring basics starts with love Yes, zero. A score of zero is called love. Hey, do you know one of the reasons maybe why it's called love? I'm trying to remember because I know that, because I think it sounds like oove, 
which is Luv. Luf. I thought it was oeuvre, like egg. Yes. Yes. But you don't just say in French, you just don't say the word. You say Louvre. You say Louvre, the egg. It always has a qualifier. Because it's a zero, right? Right. Yes. Yes. And then that sounds like love. Yes. Good job. I took the class, babe. I got an A in individual dual sports, babe. (laughs) Okay, so player one serves the ball, and from the time the ball is served, one point is available to either player. The point is awarded when the ball goes out of bounds or hits the net or is missed. Yes. The game ends after one player has scored four points with a margin of at least two points over the other player. Yes. For example, a score of 4-2 means that the game is over, but a score of 4-3 means the game must continue. And it's not score. It's like 15. Right. Yes. Yeah. They uh, The first score is called 15. The second is 30. The third is called 40. Which sure. doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Listen, to be fair, if you look at football, yeah. football's like a touchdown six, and then you get one point for kicking it. But if you kick it from here, it's three points. But if you run it from here, it's two points. And it's like one, two, three, four. <laughs> Basketball's the only one where it's just like, this one's one, this one's two, that one's three. That's it. That's it. You can either score one point, two points, or three points. Baseball is just like one point for everyone. Everyone could score one point at a time, one point per person. Mm-hmm. And then uh, serve points are awarded to the player who doesn't let the ball hit the net, bounce twice, or go out of bounds. Yeah. Um, and breaking the serve occurs when the player who didn't serve wins that single game because it's divided into games, sets, and matches. Match. Yes. Right. There's a lot going on. Ooh, there's a lot. Um and There's if, a reason it's the sport of kings. Indeed. So uh, sets consist of six games, and the set doesn't end until one player wins uh, six games or has a margin of two wins over the opponent. Okay. And then, uh, for example, okay, so if one player has won six games and the other has won five, they have to keep playing until the winner has two more wins. Okay, so you have to win six games by a margin of two. Exactly. Or play until you have a margin of two over six games. Okay, got it. Correct. Okay. And each one of these, uh, so then you have the the sets. Sure. And the whole thing is called the match. Okay. All right. On to some etiquette. Okay. Because the Game of Kings... Certainly has a lot of etiquette. You got to grunt. You got to yell tennis. <laughs> don't tennis where you pee. Those are the uh, three main rules. Don't, don't teach you that at tennis school. <laughs> so the first etiquette that we need to go over is line calling because it's important that the ball remain within the lines, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Um, you call the ball on your side of the net. So you can't say to the other side of the net, oh, that ball was in. That's not your your place That's why to say. There's a line judge. He sits right there at the side. I mean, yes, but for friendly games, you don't you don't usually have a third person line judging. Oh sure, okay. Um, and then uh, if you saw the ball go out, your opponent must accept your call. So you're if you're if they hit it to you and it's out, you have you say on your side that it went out and they have to accept it. That makes sense. I mean, as frustrating as that is, but it's a game, right? Mm-hmm. Like BB says, everybody wins a little bit. Um, your they you just have to trust like they had a better perspective on it because they were there 
right, where it's across the net from you. Yeah. And if you think that that person is lying or cheating, just don't play with them anymore after that. But you do get a chance, okay? Because if you're unsure, the ball is supposed to be called in, okay? You can't call it out unless you're certain. So you can challenge your opponent just by asking, are you certain? Are you sure? And if they are not sure... You can have the point. It, it's if you're not sure, it has to be in. Okay, you know and if what you I mean. Can answer three riddles, <laughs> then you can well, cross so the net. It relies a lot on this idea of sportsmanship, sure, right? Sure, sure, and yeah. you do get the one. It's not exactly a challenge, but it is kind of like a little dance it that you do around the tennis court, where you say, "Are you sure it was in?" Where you give your opponent the chance to either say, "Absolutely, it was out," or "I'm not." certain so you can have the point and if you hear him go well but i mean there is a reason folks why like someone losing their temper in a tennis match is like major news yeah right because like i don't know how many times a game in like baseball is a baseball player mad about a call or whatever mm-hmm. right or like a basketball player gets in somebody's face or hockey right it happens but someone losing their temper in tennis is like front page. Okay, so when the ball is in play, any balls on your side of the net are your responsibility. And if you're receiving, it's your job to make sure they're returned to the server. Because again, we're talking about friendly games, not like professional matches where like you There's have no ball kid. a ball person. Uh, and if a ball lands in a neighboring court, you have to wait for an appropriate time in the matches to retrieve it. You can't just, you. that makes complete sense because why would you just run onto a tennis court to retrieve your ball when people are playing are tennis? Because if you can do some flips and like jump over the ball to grab your, and also you have to walk in doing the Midwestern hands up, sorry. Sorry. Oh, sorry, excuse me. Oh, if I could just, oh, thank you. Okay, it's the server's responsibility uh, to announce the score at the beginning of each point. And if your opponent disagrees, uh, try to, you have to track back the points. We're like, okay, so I, I got this one, but before that you had that one. And you have to go back to the score that you last agree on okay. so if there's a if there's a tussle as opposed to no i have i have 40 and okay. you have 30 but then you're like no that's not that's not it because you only have 15 they're like no no you have to go back and play it to the point where you're like okay the last time we agree is that we each had 15 okay that makes right sense. yeah okay uh this is something that i was I was very interested to learn. Okay, tennis is a very, like, adrenaline-fueled game. Oh, yeah, exertion. And You might die from it. No one expects you to play it in silence, which is why we often associate tennis with, like, the exertion and, like, grunting Grunting and and such. Um, But uh, you you should keep your shouting and screaming to a minimum um, because... You are responsible for not interrupting the other team, like the other players. So, like, usually tennis courts have three or four tennis courts in like an area, mm-hmm. right? You're responsible for not interrupting the other games going on. Yeah, and I think you're also expected to do like grunts and singular noises and not like full blown sentences. Like, oh, here it comes. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> this is how you sport, right? Like that kind of thing. I think you're not allowed to do. Or like, look at right. me now. I'm the best at this. Yes, uh, because interrupting their match is is 
you know, I mean, it's not cool. If you're playing a game, you wouldn't want people to yell and upset your match either. Um, and so that's true. If you're sitting in the audience, audience, if you're in the crowd as well, <laughs> exactly, it is a very uh, once they start playing, much like golf, right? You you can like gasp and stuff, and that kind of happens, mm-hmm. but it's not like a cheering and like jeering kind of thing, right? right. You. I, at big matches, it is okay to cheer and clap when the players enter the court. Yeah. But once the game has begun, that's not really something that people do. And also, so if you're if you're playing in your neighborhood and you have like a, a tennis area that has three or four courts, um, it's considered impolite to ask when a, a game will be finished. But you can ask the score. Mm, there you go. Right. So you wouldn't say, oh, you've been playing forever. When are you going to be done? Instead, you would wait, you know, for a a lull, you know, where they're resting or drinking water or whatever. And you can ask the score. And that's kind of like the covert message of, hey, I'm waiting. Excuse me, fellow sports person. (laughs) What is your score? It's just that I have... Uh, but but an hour of break. No, don't. You can't say that. No, of course not. I would not. Is that I've come here to practice? Myself. No, you no, can't say that no, either. No, of course I'm just what only you know, the, the score because I'm betting on your game. <laughs> only the score. My squire Tuppence and I have a bit of a gentleman's wager. All right. That'll do it. Oh, so that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for joining us. We have to thank Alex, our researcher, without whom we wouldn't be able to do the show. Thank you, Rachel, our editor, without whom we wouldn't be able to do the show. Thank you, Max Fun, our podcast home. And thank you, listeners. We could do the show without you, but why? (laughs) But why? With your support, we enjoy doing the show. Without their support, we'd hate doing the show? Is that (laughs) what you're saying? Okay. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is it makes it even more enjoyable. Okay, great. Um, go check out all the other amazing McElroy podcasts and McElroy.family. I usually say Maximum Fun shows there, so it feels weird to be like, check out the amazing McElroy. <laughs> check out all the other amazing shows on MaximumFun.org. And if you're interested in seeing the rest of the McElroy projects, you can go to McElroy.family. Check out McElroyMerch.com to see all the merchandise we have there. Um, let's see. What else, Teresa? We always thank Brent, Brentofloss Black, for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art, at SchmannersCast. Keep an eye on that Twitter, because as Max Fun Drive approaches, we're going to be ramping it up and, and giving thanks and shout-outs to people. Um, also... Thank you to Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. If you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans, join that group today. And we are always, always looking forward to submissions for topics and idioms. I love doing those idiom shows. If you would please send those in to schmannerscast at gmail.com. Say hello to Alex. She reads every single email. And that's going to do it for us. So join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners. Schmanners. Get it. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.